there's a crisis on Earth-X. This is the Geek Confidential Podcast. How are you doing? Hey, hey. I'm good, you know, living the life. Ready to discuss some crisis on Earth X? Let's do it. Okay. Dan Pierce, welcome. This is my jam. This is, I, I feel like I, for these crossovers, I just come to play. Okay, okay. Um, coming to play, that's awesome. Last year we discussed uh, the big crossover on a special episode. We had requests to do it again, so we're going to try it. Also joining me today, we have Mo Walker. How are you doing, Mo? I'm doing great. I'm here like Dan, ready to talk crossovers. Let's dive into Crisis on Earth X. Um, going around the circle real quick, First, imp- just a quick first impression on it, Dan. I could not have asked for anything better. There are some like serious flaws that we'll definitely talk about, but overall... It is phenomenal. It is fantastic. Um, the the four shows coming together as strong as humanly possible was great. I really liked uh, some of the tonal stuff that they did and the way they really worked with the the characters themselves. Like the characters felt organic in the stories that they were telling, which I thought was really important from an emotional standpoint. And I, it just flat out phenomenal i understand now why um flash kind of did they did a bunch of interviews and flash was like yeah we had to sideline wally for most of the season i'm like i can see why with the way you guys just spent your budget on this crossover holy cow i don't necessarily agree that wally needs to be sidelined but that's another story for another day and for another um, of my co-hosts here. He so might, go ahead. Wally might have had one of the better um, scenes in the church, just saying. Mo, what'd you think? The cross – Dan couldn't have said it better. I mean this crossover, it, it was very seamless. It really put the characters first, which is really, really important, and – if you and I couldn't imagine you just kind of randomly watching this episode without being a fan of any of the four shows, it very much was all four shows were just truly just lumped together. It's just like Plato, where you've just taken all these different colors and just smashed it together to create something very cool looking that tells a very complete story in the span of four episodes. And I really think that they learned the lessons of last year's crossover with the Dominators and figured out how to make things fit. They learned how to make the uh, pieces fit a little bit better together. Mel, what'd you think? 
I agree with my podcast co-hosts. Um, it was really good, especially since I admittedly do not watch all of the shows. I think I've seen parts of each show. The only one I watch religiously is The Flash, but I knew enough about them and the characters to know and like halfway what was going on. But it was really interesting. You know, the story really stood on its own. And usually I only watch the Flash portion of these crossovers. And I'm always like, whatever, I'll figure out what happens later. But this time I actually wanted to see what happened because it was really really good so i enjoyed it um i have some quibbles and some questions which i'm sure we'll get to over the course of the episode but i really enjoyed it i thought that the humor was good i thought they had good action um wally in my opinion did get one of the better cgi fight scenes for all the various things that they had done he was basically prince like pulling all kinds of like wonder woman moves and it was pretty sort of cool the story starts out, everybody's gathering for Barry and Iris's wedding, and the wedding is invaded by Nazis from Earth-X, which it turns out that evil Oliver is the Fuhrer over there. Um, his love interest and, in, and wife, if I'm not mistaken, was that planet's Supergirl, and Eobard Thawne is back. Dan, what did you think of the fight scenes in the church? How do you, what did you think of how everything kicked off? And I'm I would like all of your opinions on what you guys thought of the depiction of the Nazis or Nazis because for me they didn't really feel that Nazi-ish. They felt more felt more Star Wars stormtrooper, but that's just me. So Dan, what were your thoughts on the church scene? Uh, I, I really enjoyed the church scene. I thought it was really cool. I, I had some questions with, um, Barry picking Cisco and Oliver over Wally in terms of like groomsmen, just because from like a, like a traditional standpoint, you typically go with the, the, the siblings before, but that's like, okay, I get it. That's fine. I had a bigger issue with, the opening scene within the like where we live in 2017 right now where this is a year where we were kind of brought to the realization that nazis are still a thing and within the first five minutes uh a nazi kills an african-american superhero and it just it it starts the crossover badly for me just because i'm like really jimmy olsen had to die why why did this have like it, it just it, it made me angry personally um but needless to say i i really enjoyed the actual fight scene i liked how everything kind of came together uh i really don't care about Kara and monel so like that really felt hollow for me but i i was feeling maggie still being torn up about or i'm sorry alex still being torn up about maggie and kind of interacting with sarah and the one night stand and all of that stuff was fantastic from that perspective. And it's always fun seeing the legends characters interacting with team flash and especially with Rory and Caitlin and Cisco. That was cool. Um, but aside from that, like overall, very, very solid opening. Just the first five minutes really gave me problems. And I was very happy that Laurel was nowhere to be found on any planet. Um, Mo, what'd you think? Yeah, I thought the first 
episode, the Supergirl portion, really did a good job of setting up the stakes and really letting everybody kind of, all the viewers find out where all the different characters were, were coming in at. And in many ways, it kind of reminded me, it did a better job of what Defenders was doing when its first few episodes, just kind of setting up where the characters are, but it did it in a, with a much larger cast of characters in a shorter time span. The some of, Now, addressing the Jimmy Olsen death, you know, I, I'm kind of, I have a mixed feelings about Jimmy getting killed off or James, sorry, getting killed off within the first, within the first like four minutes, basically. Um, you know, it, I was hoping maybe he would have showed up in a later episode when another Supergirl cast member made an appearance, but you know, it is what it is. I, I just feel like we as viewers, we have issues with the Guardian character, so maybe that was just their way of saying, like, we hear what you're saying. You guys don't like Guardian, so we're just going to kill Guardian. I, I don't I don't know. And maybe I'm just reading it a little bit too much into that. In terms of, like, the gathering of the characters and when all the brides... I really enjoyed all the bridesmaids getting their nails done. That was really funny. The issue that they were having... Uh, doing Kara's uh, nails at the nail salon. It was it was really a little funny. Um, in terms of addressing Monel, I I think they had to address Monel. Dan, I'm with you. I have some issues with Monel. I have some issues with Monel's new love interest, especially since I'm a legion of superheroes fans, and it's just I don't. It's I just have some real issues with it. But I I really liked the Sarah Alex hookup and it's a nice kind of callback to um, Grey's Anatomy because the actress who plays uh, Alex remember she was little gray on Grey's so it would kind of it felt very Grey's Anatomy-ish the two of them hooking up and then the next morning they're kind of like or at least Alex is like uh, I shouldn't have done that and Sarah's like you know we had re- we had a lot of fun last night now in terms of the the wedding stuff. Now, Dan, <laughs> you, actually, I was um, your your issue with the groomsmen. It's kind of funny because I was in a wedding a couple months ago, and my my friend did not pick any of his wife's um, his bride's groomsmen to be part of the bri- um, wedding party. But you know, <laughs> anyway. Um, but getting back to the show, so. I thought the fight in the church was really great. Everybody got their moment. I, I was really impressed with the fight between Supergirl and, and Overgirl. I mean, they were just going through buildings. It was just insane. It was it felt like a comic book come to life. Mel, what did you think of the church fight scene and everything that surrounded it? Oh, the church fight scene was everything. A lot of what Mo said. I really, really enjoyed the Supergirl-Overgirl fight because those two was getting it and i was here for all of it um that was a really great fight i liked the little wedding stuff as well um i thought it brought a good balance to you know the comedy and the drama which i think is really important in these episodes that you can't let one get in front of the other 
Um, I'm trying to think of anything else no one else has said, but y'all pretty much have covered it all. So the whole Nazi thing with um, James Olsen dying first, it kind of felt like, oh, the black character dies first again. Okay, this is what we're doing. But once, you know, we get past that whole business, it definitely improved. I enjoyed the scenes at the church. I thought the action was fantastic. But I will admit that the first episode left me wondering some things. First of all, I didn't like the fact that Wally disappeared and was basically gone for almost the entire thing. I don't have a problem with them killing off Guardian because I think that that has been one of the weakest links of Supergirl as a show. But I understand what you guys are talking about. And to me, it fits more into an even larger my my biggest issue with the crossover and this is something that we'll uh, get out discuss over the course of it but martian manhunter we have these scenes where you have that what could be a justice league in a comic and you have arrow the flash supergirl sarah all of those people in some way, shape, or form have abilities. Um, even Sarah coming out of the pits and being resurrected has, ex- I mean, super talents almost. And then Alex is there. And I'm like, where in the world is Martian Manhunter? Yes. Because if you were, if you were going to have a crisis on Earth X and you have the basically a Justice League team that you could see in the comics or in a cartoon, Alex makes no sense as being that other person in the group, like walking down the aisle, walking down the hall really impressively. That should have been Martian Manhunter. And the fact that not now he has been missing in not one, but two crossovers, the fact that Wally was gone for a significant portion of the crossover, the fact that you have... Um, Jimmy being as the guardian being killed off right away and Miss Martian who Miss uh, could have like made a cameo somewhere potentially all of the black characters were either the major black characters were either missing in action or gone for most of the time or killed off and that was probably my biggest issue with it but then Alex I love the scenes with her and Sarah I love that thread through all four episodes really appreciated that it just didn't make sense to me that she was the one who was with all of the superheroes and i get that they did that so that when they we got to the point where the rebel leader ended up being win that it made sense why alex was there but wouldn't it have made even more sense if it had been jimmy olsen if Jimmy Olsen had been the rebel leader and then maybe win or someone else on earth X, or if you were going to want to address it, I mean, it still wouldn't have been great because it would have been a black character being killed off. You could have potentially had Martian Manhunter killed off in the first scenes, because if you're killing off him, that is a huge raising of the stakes just because he has so, so many abilities. So if on earth X, they had somehow figured a way to kill off Martian Manhunter, from the get-go, that is a much stronger stake than having Jimmy Olsen as the Guardian killed off, and then you could have used Jimmy Olsen as the Rebel Leader. I don't really think that when I didn't particularly care for him as the Rebel Leader. I didn't believe it because he didn't have the gravitas, 
but I have seen the actor who plays Jimmy Olsen in other shows like, say, True Blood, and he does have it at times. It's not always, but he does have it. So for, for me, when you guys are starting to mention that, it sort of ties into what my issue was and the fact that Martian Manhunter should have been in this crossover. And with all of the CG money that was spent on CGI, you cannot tell me that they couldn't have you paid a little bit of money for the CGI on his face and then maybe cut back on something. That was just, yep. uh, what did you guys think of the fact that Martian Manhunter was missing? Mo, what did you think? Well, you know, I, I see, I definitely see your points about a lot of the missing black characters. And I agree with you, Luke, that had you switched out the death of James for Martian Manhunter, it would have sent a much, much stronger statement about the Earth X villains, the Nazis. They're not playing around. Um, however, I do disagree with you on, I do believe that Alex should have been there from the get-go, and it was the correct choice to have El Alex beat Kara's plus one. That you, that is okay. totally that is totally fine. I am not yeah. I'm not debating her being the plus one or her being there. That makes total sense. What didn't make sense for me is that when you're having these shots as the scenes of all these super-powered characters or really talented characters, we already have Arrow who doesn't have abilities. They they use that they use that very eff effectively when they had Flash and Supergirl show up, and then he has to, comes up a little bit later on the bike with Arrow. But why? To me, Martian Manhunter makes way more sense than having Alex as that fifth character. You know, again, I just in terms of character, if you look at what's been going on in Supergirl where that character is and where and where they need that character to be as in this crossover from a character standpoint it makes sense cuz usually these crossovers are used to help the characters work through something if you remember last year's uh, crossover they clumsily tried to work through the Cisco Barry issue or the or the issue that Barry was everybody was having with Barry i think that to a much lesser degree, that's what they were doing with Alex, was just trying to help her deal with her breakup over the course of the crossover and work with things. Because remember, there were parts in the previous episodes of Supergirl in which her really, Alex and Kara's relationship was a little strained. So I, I it, just from a character standpoint, it just to me, it really makes sense that, that Alex is as part of this crossover. Dan, what did you think? Uh, I I agree with you on all the points. Um, I, I I I mean, it did feel a little weird um, with Alex being in those shots. I I mean, they even addressed it to a lesser extent when uh, um, Mick Rory was. They were asking him like, "Wait, why didn't you leave with them?" It's like, "Where'd they go?" Um, but yeah, no, it it did feel a little strange. Little, little strange, but it's sort like I agree with Mo that it makes sense in the context of what's happening in Supergirl right now, from both in a, char a character standpoint and a storyline standpoint, with the emotions being played on and whatnot. Um, just because the teenage episode of Supergirl really harbored and reinforced the fact that Alex has always been the guardian and the caretaker and the protector of Kara always been that way. And it's always going to be that way. And this just kind of 
continues to reinforce that feeling. Um, it just it doesn't necessarily make sense in the context of a giant crossover or from like a logic standpoint of like, hey, superhuman abilities and high functioning government agent whatnot. But yeah, I, I didn't have as much a big a deal with that. One thing that I do want to bring up, there's a plot hole in the wedding. Um, Harry's can't be at that wedding. Not with that face. That face can't be at the wedding. And they never addressed this. And it, I was like, that, wait, the entire time during season two, they worked overtime to hide Harry's identity. And now he's out in the open with the police commissioner sitting on the other end of the aisle. And he's just at the wedding, I guess. Okay, that's fine. Um, Shh, Dan, you're not supposed to remember that. I'm sorry. Well, like it, it was a big deal. It was a big deal at the time. Um, but yeah, no, I, I liked when, um, Mick was there and the police commissioner was like, do I know you? And the Mick provided some wonderful comedic elements. So we find out that the reason why dark arrow, dark Supergirl, uh, reverse flash are there is because they are wanting to, get Supergirl's heart because on Earth X, that version is dying and they need her heart. So the whole plot is that they want to basically capture her, do surgery on her and transplant it. We'll dive into the details of that and, and how our heroes, a bunch of our heroes end up on Earth X. The other sort of omission, and I'm not sure that you could probably affect do it effectively without detracting from Supergirl. But I did, the thought did cross my mind while I was watching the crossover is where in the hell is Clark Kent? I mean, if he, if he knew that his cousin was about to be chopped up, I would think that he would be going across time. And, and like, I was sort of expecting there to be like some mention of that, or like Cisco might try and get a portal or something. It would have been nice to just have a Superman cameo, but that's also sort of a Martian Manhunter. If you start bringing in Superman and Martian Manhunter, that really changes the dynamic on other things. But in my mind, if you have Alex there as the sister who has no superhero abilities other than the fact that she's just a badass human, there should have been Superman should have been addressed. If it was, I missed it. Uh, Mo, what did you think of the team, or at least a good chunk of the team, ending up on Earth-X in the Nazi camp? I liked the fact that they ended up on Earth-X. I liked how they went about getting them to Earth-X. You know, in these crossovers, we always have this portion where the, the heroes get defeated by the villains at some point, and they're kidnapped by the villains. And like we did last year with the Dominators, they ended up on the ship, and this year they ended up on Earth-X. I think it was a great way to reintroduce the new, the Ray. Um, oh, sorry, introduce the Ray and reintroduce Citizen Cole. Because um, that was also one of my favorite aspects of the character was bringing our, our old friend Captain Cole back, you know, in a slightly kind of more square jawed kind of super heroic kind of way. But I think to me, well, here's my overall feeling about the Earth X itself, like the, the Nazis. I feel like I felt like they were kind of played like Hydra. And if in yes. many ways it felt like it it felt like Earth X kind of felt like, you know, a concentration camp version of Hydra World. It was I just 
I just kept thinking about Hydra and Hydra World and all this other stuff. But I'm glad that they didn't spend they I think they spent the right amount of time on Earth X and and not get trapped there for for too long because I think it was important to get back to Earth 1 as quickly as possible. Dan, what did you think of them ending up on Earth X? I I thought that was some of the most powerful imagery that mm. this crossover was able mm-hmm. to convey. Um, it, it definitely brought to light a lot of like the atrocities that happened back in the day and uh, kind of highlighted them in a way that you can sort of relate to as a present day person, you know, with issues of ju- just all over the map and. It, it was a really good uh, vehicle to introduce the Ray and uh, Leo Snart, which I I was very skeptical heading into this crossover, knowing that they were going to do a doppelganger because doppelgangers have been a little hit or miss. This one was a raging success in every sense of the word. I'm a huge Leo Snart fan, even though it's different than Leonard Snart. Leo, Le- Leo's good people, and I'm excited that he's going to be on legends next week. So that's going to be good. Um, in terms of the concentration camp, it was one of the most powerful scenes was just Sarah and the, her double, her earth, uh, ex doppelganger father, just that going at it. was amazing. That was intense. And also, uh, we, we skipped the biggest cameo of all right before this, but earth X Prometheus, being Tommy freaking Merlin, I was on the floor. I was like, oh my gosh, they did it. They they did, like, every fan theory on Prometheus was like, no, it's going to be Tommy, it's going to be Tommy. And now they finally have it as Tommy, and they have this powerful scene with Oliver and Tommy, and I'm just like, yes, I'm here for it, I love it. And Oliver has to explain to everyone who Tommy is, Sarah's jaws on the floor, Felicity's jaws on the floor. You could really feel like throughout this whole crossover, they do a great job with Felicity. This is probably the best Felicity we've gotten in a few years just because of someone who doesn't like Felicity. That's a that's an amazing thing to hear. Mm. I, I used to like Felicity. Then the show made me not like Felicity. But now this crossover did a great job of utilizing Emily Betricard and her acting ability um, and just the emotion she conveyed as a Jewish American and someone whose grandparents survived the Holocaust. It was incredible. And I, I think that was a good thing that they highlighted throughout the thing. I wish they would have highlighted that a little bit more with, uh, with Martin Stein. I, I, I don't think they necessarily played on that beat so much due to the fact that he had already been exposed to, or exposed to so much of man's hatred and his time traveling and See, whatnot. And that's, and that was one of the things I was talking with a friend about this. And he was like, you know, for having the Nazis, there was very little impact for the Jewish characters. And I was like, well, Felicity did. He goes, true. Felicity did have some, but when you're talking about the Nazis and everything that means on this earth, there was very little at least in his opinion, um, reaction from the characters the, that would be Jewish. Um, and so I was like, hmm, I hadn't really thought about that, but it did, it did make me stop for a moment and look at it. And I love Victor Garber. We knew that Stein was 
probably going to be killed off in this one. And so how that story played out was well done, but it just sort of seemed a little bit odd that they didn't address it. I would just attribute it to his exposure to vast levels of hatred throughout time and whatnot. And the fact that that does like the Nazis don't even phase him is more of a testament to his own personal experiences. Don't get me wrong. I would have liked a little bit more, but it is what it is. Let's talk about Stein for a little bit. And are we, uh, are we not going to talk about snart? being in love with a man and how adorable they were okay. and they shared Go a ahead. kiss. Go are, we, are we not no, going to do that? We, I was going because to. I, I feel like just... we have to talk about that if we're going to talk about Earth X. Yeah, like, we could definitely talk about that. Russell Tovey was on. I've loved him since being human. He was playing the Ray. Mel, what'd you think? I loved it so much. I thought um, the power dampeners, the superhero power dampeners were really interesting on Earth X because it brought everybody to their knees. Snart shows up. He's so charming and beautiful and charming and I thought... And so Wentworth Miller. Yes. I, yes, it's true. Anyways. Um, and then him, you know, being a quote-unquote good guy in this was definitely a change. I thought that was interesting because, you know, this is a doppelganger, so of course we have to make it different. Um, and I loved that he was in love with a man and they shared an actual kiss on TV. I thought that was a big freaking deal for it to be on a superhero show. So I thought that was great. Um, and then all the flashbacks, too, between um, Felicity and Iris trying to rescue everyone and sending um, signals out to the legends and all of that. I, I really enjoyed that portion of Earth X. And I agree with whoever said we spent enough time on as much time as we needed to on Earth X. That was interesting. Oh, I like the train fight, too, where they were battling. Okay. Business, but anyways, it was good. Keep going. Mo, what did you think of uh, Snart and the Ray being romantically linked? And also, at the end, we find out that the Ray, who is from this Earth, goes back to Earth X. Snart, who is not from this Earth, stays in this Earth. That seemed a little odd to me, but I'm really looking forward to seeing the Ray more often. So if that means that he comes back or we end up going back to earth X. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, what did you think? I, the, the introduction of Ray is actually one of the things I was looking forward to when I first heard that the, the character was being cast. I've been a fan of the Ray in various iterations for a number of years in comics. The version that they're using now was, is, was, um, introduced a, a few years ago. And I really, enjoyed the way to, uh, Russell Tovey, he just seemed to really seamlessly fit into this, into the Berlanti Arrowverse. It didn't feel like clunky at all. He just kind of, he just, he just hit his, his, his marks. It really, I look forward to seeing more Ray. I know that there's a CW seed animated uh, Ray series that's supposed to be starting later in December. I'm not sure if that's a prequel or a sequel to this, but I'm looking forward to seeing him um, and uh, seeing that animated series. I'm also looking, hopefully we'll get more Ray 
on the other Berlanti shows because I think that there's a lot more that we can explore with this character. And I do really like his relationship with Citizen Cold. I thought it was, I thought it was cute to be perfectly honest. And I could very easily see those two with like little pet names for each other and so forth. It, 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 it was a, it was a surprising fun reveal when the two of those characters kissed. And the thing about that is, is uh, speaking of contracts, uh, we also know because Wentworth Miller posted that he was done, um, like his time in the Berlanti verse was basically over. We know that like once his future episodes air, that's pretty much it, which is what for me, sometimes, sometimes knowing stuff about the news before you watch the show makes you question what's going on in the show because I I knew about the Ray getting the animated series and the the hope and that he would be able to cross over and into this universe um, more often and in the future is something that I would really like to see happen, but then I'm like, well, if Snart is ends up leaving because Wentworth Miller is leaving then that sort of makes it so there's maybe fewer opportunities. But Dan, what did you think of Snart, Snart and the Ray? I loved it. I thought that was super adorable. Um, I I really enjoyed their chemistry, and I really enjoyed the uh, like the general genuineness that the actor brought to the character of the Ray. I I thought that he seemed genuinely wanting to help, but he also didn't want to step on any toes. Um, just the way he kind of answered orders and stuff like that with um, Wynn's doppelganger and the way he, I guess, seamlessly just interacted with Barry and fought alongside him. Um, I thought that was really cool. I I really... I hope for more from the Ray. I, I could see him popping into Central City now and then. Uh, that would be pretty cool. Um, and I'm looking forward to the animated series. Let's talk a little bit about Firestorm. Um, that character is one that we have watched on Legends of the Tomorrow, where Dr. Stein is wanting to spend lots of time with his grandchild, his daughter, and his family. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Jefferson is having to, his own struggle with the fact that his part, like the other half of Firestorm is wanting to leave. And they've been trying to find ways to deal with that. Um, we ended up seeing that story play out over the four episodes and it culminated with um, a scene in which Stein ends up getting shot by the Nazis and he ends up dying. What did you guys think of that, Dan? Um, for me personally, I I kind of teared up a lot. I, I've watched the crossover twice, and each time it doesn't get easier. I've really enjoyed uh, Victor Garber's portrayal of Martin Stein. Um, I liked his, although we didn't get enough of it, I really liked him and Ronnie, and I've loved him and Jefferson since the beginning. Just the, the way they've interacted, the way initially Victor or like Martin Stein was very a little hesitant because it was like oh this guy's a mechanic he like he's not like an engineer like Ronald and but then he realizes that Jax is a genius in his own way you know he was able to take apart and put back together the wave rider so many times and just become like this super valuable asset to the team and stuff like that and it's really helped the character of Jax grow as a whole um 
they've always been able to play off each other really well. And I've always really appreciated their friendship and stuff like that. So, um, they, this was really the culmination of all of that. And the actors really brought it, um, down to, you know, Jack's going to Clarissa and Lily's house. And all he had to do was say, I'm so sorry. And she knew, and Lily knew, and it was just, it was it was a big deal, and for those like, it's weird to see, like Team Arrow or like the Supergirl folks reacting to this. Not that we saw the Supergirl folks reacting to this, because, the, I mean, Martin Stein was from Team Flash and then became a legend, and it's just it it's really hard seeing all of these beats being played because you've grown so attached to the character. Um, and that's something that is really going to be missed. It made me want rip on the ship just for this crossover. Like I understand. he. (laughs) I understand he's in time jail right now, but there was a level of respect there that I think rip would have, I don't know. It it would have made sense, and I I would have really appreciated it. But I understand, and I I just hope they continue to honor uh, Martin Stein the same way that they've honored Leonard Snart um, as the season progresses on Legends. Mo, what do you think? Dan did a good job of of summarizing a lot of my feelings about the 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 passing of uh, Professor Stein. I I really thought the Jack Stein relationship came to a really nice conclusion in terms of, uh, of, of an arc for, for both of those characters. Because, you know, when you first met them, you know, as Dan was, had, had, had mentioned a little bit, you know, they butted heads a bit. And then, especially in, once they were on Legends, that, that team of Stein and Jacks just bonded and it became more than just, you know, we're just two guys who just fuse into like one person. They really were truly a family. And I think that Stein eloquently stated that when he kept talk, referring to Jefferson as his son and that he is just as much a part of him <laughs> as Lily or the grandson or what, what not. I did thought it was kind of cute how you know Stein. They were just trying to. He was like, "Well, I have this potion that'll give you like spider powers, and you'll be some sort of quasi Spider Man." And, and Spider Man's been getting a lot of shoutouts in recent episodes. I don't know why that is, but there have been a number of them. Spidey senses and various other things have been mentioned. Yes. So I thought that was really that was really adorable. I do feel like in terms of just the process of trying to unravel Firestorm, I I do feel like that plot thread has been a little clunky because I'm not necessarily sure they they every time they came up with an option and they, and it turned out to be a, a false lead, they just didn't really explain that, and then all of a sudden, you know, you have this kind of quick cure at the beginning of the crossover because obviously you knew something was going to happen with the with the firestorm duo doing the crossover 
but overall, I I I was really sad that um when when Stein died, but I thought it was a good hero's death. I'll agree with you there. Um, another character from Legends that has connection to Arrow is Ray Palmer, and. One of the other things that sort of like nod at me a little early on in like the first two episodes was the fact that all of the Calvary with all the superheroes took so long to show up. I mean, all of these people get attacked at the wedding and no one can send out a text and everybody's there ASAP. It seemed like everything was a little bit slow. So over the first episodes, I was like, where's Ray? Where's Ray? Where's Ray? He finally showed up. It, how he arrived for me was almost as fun as Wally's fight scene in where he in the church, um, and it was great to have him back. And it provided a comedic element later on when they uh, he and Felicity were asked how they knew each other, and they were like, uh, "We dated." And there were a lot of comedic elements to it. Just going around the circle, what were your favorite comedic elements? What were your favorite Easter eggs and cameos and Dan, you go first. Um, well, comedic moments. I I gotta say the whole like reminder, super speed. I don't have it. That that was pretty good. I really enjoyed that. I will say, I as much as I really enjoy them revisiting uh, Felicity and Ray, it doesn't make sense in the context of that they. The three of them have already been in scenes together during that whole, hey, she reminds me of my cousin. Um, but needless to say, Easter egg wise, Mo explained this to me and it's starting to become more and more my favorite. Uh, when the waitress hands Barry a glass of water and yes. tells him to uh, remember to say I do. Turns out that's Barry and Iris's granddaughter um, and a member of the Legion. Uh, Mo's probably going to do a much better job of explaining this, but that that's up there in terms of my favorite. I also think that this crossover has provided a lot more uh, comedic timing for Alex. Like, Alex needs more jokes, just in general, and I think this really highlighted uh, the uh, actress's comedic timing, and I hope to see more of it in Supergirl. Mo, favorite Easter eggs, cameos, or, or moments? Um, again, I go back to, you know, in terms of just co pure comedy, for me, it is about the Alex Sarah hookup. It was, Dan, if, if the actress who plays Alex, when she was on Grey's Anatomy, there was so much of that, you know, awkward hookup stuff that, you know, it, it's just hilarious. I think just the, the actress is capable of doing that kind of stuff. She is capable of doing humor. It's just that, again, like you said, I don't think the Supergirl people are injecting enough humor into that character. Um, now, in, in terms of um, like Easter eggs and so forth, one that ha I one that I that hasn't been mentioned, I like the fact that they use the Red Tornado when they were on Earth X. Red Tornado is an another Justice League member from the '70s and so forth. So it was really nice to see that character in there. Now, in terms of the Easter egg that Dan mentioned with regarding um, Barry and Iris's potential daughter, uh, granddaughter. Um, her, um, so essentially in the comics, Barry and Iris have twin children, da um, Don and Don Allen. One's male, one's female. They have children 
One is her name's Exus, which I believe that's who w- appeared on the show, giving Barry the water. She is a member of the Legion of Superheroes. She has super speed powers. She comes from the 31st century because in the comics, there's a little whole kind of weird thing in which Iris ends up in the future for a number of years. Mel, favorite moments, cameos, characters? Um, I did like what y'all talking about earlier with Mick and the the police. The don't I know you? That was funny. That one cracked me up. And I also just now found out about thank you Mo for breaking it down about Barry and Iris's granddaughter. So of course that's gonna be one of my favorites. I mean, what else could it be? So um, oh yeah, and uh, Leo Snart, the doppelganger. That was probably one of my favorites. Okay, the episode ends with not one wedding but two it was basically two weddings and a funeral grumble um, grumble um oh. I was, exactly i was sort oh. of, i was sort of disappointed the that we ended up having two weddings it was a through line where um oliver had asked felicity to marry him and she inadvertently very loudly declined i would have been perfectly happy with Barry and Iris getting married at the end and having that be the culmination. I sort of feel like Oliver and Felicity didn't get the wedding they deserved considering how much they have gone through for longer than Barry and Iris. Um, and I, it, in the context of the crossover, it made sense, but in the context of Arrow, I feel like they could have had something more. So for me, it was a little bit disappointing there. Uh, what did you guys think of the wedding, Mo? Yeah. Uh, ooh. Okay. I I thought Barry and Iris's when they finally were able to tie it. I thought that was really lovely. That was charming. That was really cute. I have some serious issue with that rush, half-ass Oliver Felicity nuptials. I'm yeah. sorry. It was yep. it was half-ass. Yeah. I mean, hey, it man. felt it, it felt like. They just so oh we're gonna do a twist in the last two minutes. It was no ramp up to this. There was I mean, granted yes they had been dropping hints throughout the crossover about Oliver wanting to marry Felicity and Felicity was feeling conflicted and so forth. That's fine. I would have been perfectly fine if they the two decided to get engaged again and that's how uh, after after Barry and Iris got married. But just to marry them two. It was like they were they were riding Barry and Iris's coattails, and yep. Dan, I'm Preach. surprised that you, as a Felicity hater, hasn't had well you may get to this hasn't had some strong reaction to this because you were praising Felicity earlier. So I mean I, I'm I'm curious to see how you gonna respond to this. Oh trust me, I have I have a lot of thoughts. I have a lot of thoughts. I think the fir- the best part of the last five minutes was him grabbing John Diggle yes. and John still throwing up every single time Barry grabs him, he throws up and you don't think it's coming. And then it does. And it still happens. And it's still funny. It had me on the floor. And then I'm like, I'm starting to think about this Barry and Iris Russian nuptials, And I'm thinking to myself, these mother, I'm not going to say it, but they're, they're Robin Joe of seeing his, children get married which sounds weird but in all honesty like i'm just thinking about it from joe's perspective where it's like 
you guys got married. Like, I had to go through all of this stuff. I had to raise you guys by myself. And then you guys go off and get eloped. Really? Like, that's the appreciation? And like, why you couldn't Wally even, have like, brought him? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, at least, like. In the time it took Barry to go get Diggle, Joe. Wally could have gotten Joe. Oh, yeah. Easily. Easily. You put in a, a text of a Wally where they are. He runs there in two seconds flat. No questions asked. Then we have Joe and uh, Diggle throwing up together. It's funny. It's funnier. Now, now on to F- Oliver and Felicity, this sham of a marriage. Oh, my gosh. I have never seen anything like. First of all, we had no idea that uh, John married Andy and Carly. Second of all, I missed Carly and uh, Andy Jr. so much. Uh, remember when John had like extended family? That was really nice. I really liked that. We need to go back to build Big Belly Burger and make that happen again. Anyways, so then we we got. Felicity rushing into this being like, hey, so uh, I, I know I said I didn't want to marry you, but then Nazis attacked and now I do. What what kind of logic is that? What what changed so much in your core that you're like, oh, no, suddenly believe in marriage. This this is a totally a thing now. I'm like, seriously, you you are changing your mind for like in like the most extreme set of circumstances. And I can't with you right now. I cannot. I just, ugh. I, I don't understand it. I don't understand why Oliver went along with it. I don't understand what changed her opinion of William so much after, you know, maybe some ice cream and math problems that that's the only thing that changed her mind in terms of like having children and like, having them be a part of their world. And suddenly she says she loves William and all of this nonsense. I'm like, first of all, you're robbing, like you're robbing Thea of seeing her only living family member get married. You're robbing William of seeing his father get married. Like Felicity's mother, the poor woman has suffered through countless turmoils and you're robbing this woman of seeing her only daughter get married like i'm thinking in terms of family since that seems to be the big theme of these shows it's like oh don't do this that's my brother that's my sister that's my father son you know whatever it's just it's ridiculous it's stupid and i don't like it it's disingenuous to the characters yes they are heading in a much healthier direction in their relationship i will agree with that they've done a much better job of forging this relationship within this season, within the context of this season. But they are not at the stage in which an engagement nor a marriage could happen. That is rushed writing, that is half-assed, and I will not be here for. I honestly thought before those last minutes of the episode that they were setting it up so that we would get an engagement and that the season finale would be the wedding. I I thought that Oliver and Felicity's wedding would be the season finale of Arrow. Mel, I know you are a huge Barry and Iris fan. What did you think of them finally tying the knot? I wish they didn't have to share it. I just, for everything that Barry and Iris have been through, multiple time changes because Barry is stupid and they have to fall in love all over again to finally get there for them to finally tie the knot and be married and for them to have to share it. 
that makes me angry. But, you know, you can also say the same thing for um, Felicity and Oliver. You know, they're another couple who have been through probably twice as much as Barry and Iris because they've been on twice as long. And, you know, for us to take these quote-unquote super couples of our superhero shows and merge their weddings, I think you really cheated a lot of people out of seeing their ships get married. You know what I mean? I mean, I liked your idea, Luke, of, you know, having Felicity and Oliver just get engaged and then get married because you know she had all of these reservations about getting married. But for it all to happen in the last five minutes, I was just kind of, really? Really? Can we just let our couples have their own moments? We can't do that? All right, fine. That's fine with her. I mean, I'm glad they got married. Don't get me wrong. I just wish it could have been better. Final thoughts on crisis on earth x and what rating do you give it out of five dan i would give this a four and a half as as much problems as i had with a lot of aspects of this it it's still significantly better than invasion it is probably the best crossover we've had um better than the defenders better than the defenders better than i i i mean i enjoyed this significantly better than a lot of the Marvel movies that do cross over. I'll say that much. Shame. Um, ooh. I'm we're going to be saying... getting to infinity or not to infinity, uh, mm-hmm. infinity on earth X is what I was going to say. We're going to be getting to infinity war trailer here shortly. So we'll discuss it. I'm, I'm just saying when you have enough time to, uh, to offer characterization and emotions and all of these different like scenarios to put your characters through, you have a better, like a more rounded character base to go off of when these crossovers happen and you get to see all of the different facets to their characters. And that's what DC does in spades that Marvel is still trying to figure out. So yeah, four and a half. Mo, what do you give it? Um, I'm gonna give the crossover overall a 4.25. Um, I'm down. I'm taking off points, obviously, for that sham wedding. Um, now I do like Felicity. I will. I will say this about Felicity. Um, I don't think she ever had a problem with William. I think she had a problem with Oliver lying about William. So I'll just leave it at that on that. But overall, like Dan said, I think that they did a lot of the character work to make us enjoy the crossover uh, before the fist started flying. And it's really nice to see how the different pairs of characters interact with each other that we don't necessarily get. Now, one thing I didn't mention was um, I liked Mick kind of quasi-flirting with Caitlyn. I thought that was hot. I thought that was that was real fun. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, it was. So it does. It did a really good job again of what of what these shows, these Berlantiverse shows do, which is often work on put the character first. And this was a very. It, it felt like one big show, not just this is Supergirl's chunk of Crisis on Cross. Yeah, this they is really fixed this, that. Yeah, it was like. This is Crisis on Earth X. You really could not miss a chunk of that of the crossover. I mean, there was just so much going on with each of the characters, irregardless of what time it was on. It just was just so integrated so well. And hopefully they'll 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 clean up some of the side issues that we had with it and create a stronger crossover next year. 
and hopefully Martian Manhunter will be on next time. Uh, uh, Mel, what do, what is your final score and final thoughts? Well, I was going to do 4.25, but Mo stole it from me. So I guess <laughs> I'll, I'll split the difference here and go, like, let's say 4.40. There we go. That's good. I like it. I'm splitting the difference a little bit. <laughs> okay. I make the rules up as I go along. Like Luke Kerr. Welcome to the, the club. Oh. Welcome to the club. Um, I'm going to give it a four and a quarter as well. I thought that it was well executed. I thought that in terms of television, it, these crossovers are really becoming the event for me in superhero stuff. I, I look forward to them more than something big on The Walking Dead. I look forward to them more than The Defenders on Netflix. There are th issues um, in terms of some of the things, continuity things. Um, stuff doesn't always make sense. I do think that Felicity and Oliver got short-sheeted, and I'm I'm not okay with the fact that Martian Manhunter, like he is not personally one of the characters that I look for in comics or that type of stuff, but he has always played an important role in cartoons. And if you are going to take and have that character not be around i just feel like you're really undermining some of the potential success of this uh, of the series and the 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 melding of these worlds and it also makes me wonder what's going to happen with black lightning because we know that that is not in the same Supposedly, it's not in the same universe, but we now know that there's 53. So if Black Lightning is one of those in one of those others, are they going to come up with some reason, especially if that show has weaker ratings to start out since it's not in the Arrowverse? Are they going to then try and incorporate it into the crossovers or is it going to just be left on its own? And and so I'm, I sort of feel about Martian Manhunter the same way I felt about Josie on Riverdale the first season. There's something off about this that it, I mean, there's no reason why for two crossover events in the in a row, Martian Manhunter isn't there. It just doesn't make sense. So it would probably be a 4.75 for me if it was not for his miss his absence and the fact that Oliver and and Felicity didn't get the wedding they deserved. Um, otherwise, I'm giving it a 4.25. Before we get to Justice League, let's talk a little bit about a blockbuster trailer that was released. Mel, I think you texted me and said that you had like watched uh, Infinity War, the Infinity War trailer, like 50 million times. Yes. Um, what did you think of that epic trailer? mind blown and shattered into pieces all over the place. Oh my gosh, this trailer had everything and every one. I think that was my most favorite part of the trailer is that literally everybody I could think of is on the screen <laughs> running towards action. I mean, oh my God, I'm so excited. I mean, we have Thanos, is coming. He has his Infinity Stones. You see in the trailer that he has two of them. He's coming for the rest. Chaos will ensue. Can we talk about Black Panther and the Wakandans? All of them <laughs> running towards battle with our superheroes. Y'all, I cannot 
wait for Infinity War. If the trailer is just a little piece of what's going to happen, the movie better deliver. Because the last Avengers movie we had with Age of Ultron, I was very disappointed. So hopefully this one will make up for it. I can't wait. Dan, what are your thoughts? I thought it was pretty cool. I'm, I'm, I, I think I'm about 25% less excited than Mel right now, just because like, I, I, I guess I was coming off of the high of crisis on earth when I watched the trailer and I was like, Oh yeah, cool. Seeing people. That's awesome. Um, but I am really excited, uh, for King T'Challa and, um, uh, you know, Captain America and, getting to see all of everyone finally coming together and Thor interacting with the guardians was awesome. And I will say the internet has a lot of legitimate criticism when it comes to the design of Thanos. Um, I've seen a lot of good memes. I really enjoy the Homer Simpson ones. Uh, those are pretty good. Um, but overall I'm excited. I'm, I'm just, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little less excited. Uh, because Dan, we're do just you like off. DC more than Marvel? I, I I like to play it on an individual basis, <laughs> um, but you know I as you tend to get a little bit more excited about DC than Marvel. I think like I think it's just in terms of like compelling characters that's what attracts me, and Marvel oh, doesn't necessarily. Marvel does I do not let mean the man to speak. let the man speak. Go ahead, finish it. The terrible oh, part, but go ahead. Let's Marvel speak. on movies mm. does not give the time to create the characters that DC television does. I was going to say, if you are about to tell me no, 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 that no, no, Marvel's no. cinematic universe has less character development than the Justice League. And you know, Batman versus <laughs> Superman and Suicide Squad, we there was going to be a throwdown. I I think uh, that... to to even like imply without clarifying on a TV show that the DC cinematic universe has character development when for the most part it has almost none. None. Zero. Zilch. I mean so so, Martha? I think the, the character that has oh, the most character development is Shane. Diana. Well, yeah, but that's because she had one good movie. She's the only one who has had a good movie out of all of like in terms of the things just we're going to get to Justice League in a moment. Justice League was a decent movie, but it was nowhere near what Wonder Woman is. Wonder Woman is the only movie in the DC Cinematic Universe that can even compete with the character development of the Marvel movies. And that's the worst Marvel movies. And that's why I said television, because I enjoy DC television more than I enjoy Marvel movies. Mo, he almost gave me a coronary. (laughs) (laughs) What did you think of the Infinity War trailer? Yeah, I I thought it was a great trailer. I mean, it we've been salivating for this Avengers Infinity trailer for months and it delivered. It, it provided us the information, what we needed. We needed to see that threat, Thanos is a threat. He is a bad mother. Shut your mouth. <laughs> I mean, it showed us what we needed to know. Um, I do, uh, Dan, I, I had, had not heard about the, the Thanos memes, uh, but he did look a little off, and maybe it's because, for me, 
in the comics, he he's always wearing like some sort of headgear most of the time. So when he isn't wearing a headgear, he just kind of looks really kind of weird. But that said, I like all the the characters coming together, the different factions of the event, the Avengers universe, the Wakandans. This this trailer not only was, Avengers Infinity was not only a trailer to promote that movie, but it also promoted the hell out of that Black Panther movie. That Black Panther movie, yeah, gives me chills. I still watch that yes. trailer and it gives me chills. I see. Would... I'm all in there. Yeah, I am all in on Black Panther. It's just the Avengers. I'm just kind of like, eh, I don't well, know. Well, Dan, have you seen Captain America Civil War? Because essentially yes. that was Avengers 2.5. Okay. And and to me, the issues that were in uh, the second Avengers movie, I think that that Captain America, <laughs> weirdly enough, did a much better job of rounding out some of those characters and providing more ca- interesting character moments in Captain America Civil War for the Avengers than Avengers 2 did. But, uh, yes. But, get, but getting back to Infinity War, I, I think... Like I'm, I'm. I'll be perfectly honest. I don't need another trailer. This honestly satisfied me. I think we've gotten enough information. We know that the threat is here. Okay. We don't need any more than that. We just need to get in some sort of time machine, or we need to take a deep sleep until next summer. I mean, that's just at this point. This is what I need to do. I just need to get to next summer. Though, of course, uh, I want to favor it is not the it is not the summer. It is coming out on May fourth. Marvel in its Look, infinite I'm trying wisdom. To get to February. Marvel, it, yes, but Marvel in its infinite wisdom has chosen specifically to grace me with a birthday present every year on my birthday weekend, and it is amazing. It is coming out on May fourth, which. Brings me to the point that none of you guys have mentioned in this fantastic trailer. Yes, I love Black like Black Panther. That movie looks like it is going to be amazing. I suspect that if the movie is as good as the trailer is for Black Panther, that it could be a top one or two. If I was doing a top five podcast on the best Marvel movies or my favorites. But none of you have mentioned the fact that the Guardians are now going to be on Earth and a part of this. I, cannot, I mentioned it. I cannot wait. Cannot I, I wait. said it. Well, then I didn't catch it. I apologize <laughs> if you said it and I did not catch it, but I cannot yeah, wait. Yeah, no, I was like, they, oh, yeah, they're hanging out with Thor. The way that ended with Thor, just like, and who are you? And it's like, we're the Guardians. Chills complete 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 chills cannot wait mo last time we recorded you weren't here but dan was um and he told us about justice league and his thoughts on it i got a chance to watch it i am curious what you think um what do you give it out of five what were the highs what were the lows and then because i know you watched thor ragnarok was it better or worse than thor ragnarok i know that's a lot to fit in there but go ahead so in terms of my overall thoughts on justice league like you said before it was a decent movie certainly was no wonder woman i feel like and again this is because we know that there were unfortunately two editors you know Zack snyder and joss whedon coming in there were parts of justice league where you could tell it was kind of choppy you could kind of, to me at least, I, there were certainly parts where I could tell it was Joss Whedon versus Zack Snyder. Especially, you know, the moment when Superman is in his super suit. He, uh, 
is helping the league uh, defeat Steppenwolf. You can tell. I feel like that that whole section was pure Joss Whedon. Um, I think the movie did a very poor job of define of really explaining Steppenwolf and really connecting what they were setting up in Batman v Superman. They were setting up dark side and you know you, in batman vs superman you saw this dark side iconography and the omega symbol and everything in that post-apocalyptic dream sequence that batman had we didn't get any of that in, in justice league i mean so my feeling is is that if you were trying to say that batman v superman was the precursor of the justice league uh, why didn't you touch upon like what i consider like some key moments of that movie that that being said, I I think the movie could have used could have been probably Justice League probably could have been in my opinion about another ten more minutes. I think that some of the plot holes they could have used that time to explain Stephen Wolf a little bit more. Um, they could have used that time to delve into that uh, the Atlantean versus Amazonian war that they had hinted upon and really given us a little bit more some key character moments with the various league members. What I think the movie got right was I liked a lot of the interactions between Batman and Wonder Woman. I think his pushing her to be the leader that we, at least as the audience, knew that she she, she was um, destined to be was, um, I think I think, one of the highlights of the movie because, you know, Batman, in my opinion, he needed to take a back seat. Bat, Batfleck, you know, after Batman v Superman with his grumpy self, he just needed to take a back seat. Wonder Woman was clearly the number one stunner in that movie. She was the number one stunner this year in her own movie, and she really needed to take... And I'm glad that by the end of the movie, she had taken more of a leadership role in, in that on the team. One of my other big issues is I really... I didn't have a problem with how they brought about Superman's resurrection. I think it made sense given what they had previously set up in Batman versus Superman, using the mother box, using the ambiotic fluid that was in that Kryptonian ship. What I had problems with is, is that they, they truly without when Superman finally joined up with the rest of the league, it was, it, it really felt like one of those old Superman movies where it, where Superman just comes in and just seems to wrap everything up in a bow in like two, three minutes. I needed Steppenwolf at least to have put more of a beat down on Kal-El and just at least made it look like more of a struggle. Because once he got there, it just seemed like, okay, Superman's here. We don't, we can just step back. He's going, Kal-El's going to handle everything. Um, but yeah, I and, and in terms of my score for this film, I give it a three out of five. Um, again, I, I think there there was some good stuff in there, but again, clunky a clunky plot. I'm not even going. The, the, there was some bad CGI. Oh, Stephen Wolf. <laughs> Ooh. Just just I just was like what? I I mean I felt like Stephen Wolf was like. A video game, char- 
I mean, it literally felt like you were watching like cut screens from a video game. It was when he was he was fighting them. It was it was just like, what is this? I mean, mm, very uh, running though. Mm. You know, and and here's the thing. I think Barry run. I think they they were trying to do something different than what we get on the Flash television show. So I will cut for them on on that. They're still, you, you know, because if you remember correctly, if you even look at early at old episodes of the Flash, you you can kind of tell how they. It took them a little while to like figure things out, and so forth. And and who knows what kind of post production schedule that they were on, considering that they they had. Zach, whatever Zack Snyder had put in, plus the reshoots of Joss Whedon. So I'll kind of cut for them on that. But the fact of the matter is, Steppenwolf was the main villain. He needed to look a hell of a lot better than what he did. I I don't really... they had The actor that they had voicing Steppenwolf, I mean, they could have got me to do that. I mean, I would have <laughs> been cheaper. I, I thought I would have probably been a little bit more menacing and felt like I actually cared about the material a little bit more. I mean, it was just ridiculous i mean again like we've said with when we've discussed these d or when when discussions have been when people have discussed these dc films uh, uh, one of their weaknesses are it falls apart in that final third act when they have the fight yes and wonder woman's weakest part was that as well yeah and the villain themselves the villain the look of the villain the feel of the main villain, it just it just really falls apart when when, when it comes to those to those characters. I haven't really got your thoughts on Jason Momoa, Ezra Miller, Cyborg, Aquaman, and the Flash. Okay. There was a so, lot of speculation about how they would um, turn out. Did any of them exceed your expectations? Did any of them disappoint? What were your thoughts on once we finally got to see them? Well, you know, I honestly, the team, the makeup of the team, this was, I really didn't have that much of a problem with them. In terms of Cyborg, he was just like, eh, you know, I mean, I found myself enjoying Papa Pope, you know, as, as uh, his, his father. Not that scenery tour. left. You know, I needed him to deliver one of the soliloquies that he gives uh, his <laughs> daughter live. Ew. He's gonna make the whole screen turn black because he ate the damn set. No. Well, maybe that's what Victor needed because he needed to kick up his ass. I, I mean, Cyborg was serviceable. I didn't really have much of an issue with Cyborg. With if you've read classic Teen Titans comics, new Teen Titans comics from the 80s, that whole storyline with the two of them in terms of that push and pull that that father-son dynamic it really tracks with those comics they did a good job on that jason momoa's aquaman i liked his aquaman his aquaman reminded me of the 1990s aquaman that was in the peter david aquaman comic book series this badass gruff aquaman with the big beard and he was just not taking anything um i think they did a good job of of piquing our interest in in the upcoming Aquaman movie, just kind of uh, just giving us a little taste of that with Mera and her underwater powers. I, Mera I'm, was amazing. I yeah. cannot wait. Yeah. I'd like to see a little bit more of her hydrokinesis. You know, um, I heard that they cut some of her scenes, but I'm, I, I think that they did a good job of setting up and making the audience interested in, in, in the Aquaman movie. And I think... The thing with Ezra Miller's Flash, and again, I'm grading on a curve because I think that they wanted to create a Barry Allen that was very different 
than what we're getting on the Flash television series. And I think in, in that regard, they did a serviceable job. I think his little quirks, in, in some ways, he kind of reminded me of Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory. I don't know. It was just kind of, it was just, uh, it felt like he was kind of on the spectrum a bit. But, and I'm not saying that in a derogatory thing, but I think that they were giving him that Barry, the Justice, Ezra Miller's uh, Barry Allen, some, some different quirks to help um, differentiate his version of The Flash from the television version of The Flash in audience members' minds. Well, after what happened with Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad, and because of all the production issues that Justice League had, I went into this with pretty low expectations. When we found out that Super- that Superman was going to be returning, uh, I have not been a, like I like Henry Cavill. Um, I have not necessarily liked him as Superman because in every movie that he has played Superman up till this one, he was either extremely constipated and needed some X-lax or he had a <laughs> broom shoved firmly up his ass. One of those two happened. Um, this was the first time that I actually liked Superman. This is the first time that it was a character that I could enjoy. I have enjoyed Superman on the small screen in various incarnations. If you go back to Reeves, I respect and acknowledge what those movies are, but I'm not really into 70s movies, so I have a hard what? time with them. Are you saying right now Seriously? that you do not like the original Superman because not, that is the state? Wow. I, I am not saying oh, I am not saying that I dislike it. It I am saying that I do not watch 70s movies very often. Um oh. Um so for me, this movie going into it, I didn't have a lot of hope. Ben Affleck, he's uh, he in in Batman v Superman, he was a better Batman or a better Bruce than he was a Batman. Uh, one of my friends reminded me of that, and he was like, "In this movie, Ben Affleck is definitely a better Bruce Wayne than Batman." And in this one. All he did as Batman was say, I'm rich and show up. And there wasn't a lot of great action with Batman. I sort of feel like considering how many times he had to say that he's been doing this for so long and that he's so old and all this other stuff. I'm like, fine, you're old. Hang up the cowl. Let someone else come come in. Have Robin. Let, let us get Terry McGinnis. Do something. Because I feel like a Justice League movie with a Nightwing, a Justice League movie with, um, say, Terry McGinnis, or, um, and this, this this will never happen, but a young Damien would be better than Ben Affleck as Batman. I recognize and respect his importance to the mythology and how much Batman is important, but I really don't want to see another... I don't want to see Batman unless Christopher Nolan is involved. I just don't. Ezra Miller, I had concerns about because in the trailer, he may, he worried me. In Batman v Superman, what little we saw of him, he worried me. Cyborg, in the trailers, his CGI looked janky, and I wasn't looking forward to that. But after watching this film, I could... I feel like... 
after Batman v Superman, after Suicide Squad, there has been talk about Warner possibly doing a reboot um, to try and restart this world. And I don't actually think that they need to do a reboot. What I think that they can do with Justice League is a soft reboot by taking the characters that were in this film and doing something special with them. I think... I would like to see one of two things. I would like to see as uh, the Flash and Cyborg in a buddy movie, sort of like um, Thor and the Hulk in Thor Ragnarok. Or I got a huge kick out of Barry and Superman doing that race. If we could have a buddy thing between the Flash and Superman as a duo, I could really do that. Obviously, the Flash plays much more comedy Harry Cavill is still dealing with pulling that stick out of his ass, even though things are improved, so he can play the straight man. Let the Flash be the comedic person. Either of those two would be either of those two films would be a nice way to take the characters that we have without them needing individual origin story movies and giving us something a little bit unique that people could tune into. Aquaman is already filmed. I loved Jason Momoa as Aquaman. I wasn't a big fan of the eyes, but I loved him in the role. I loved Mira. I've always loved Atlantean mythology. Aquaman, people will make make fun of it, but like Aquaman has always been one of my favorite um, DC characters. So for me, he was good in this film. Everything with Mira was fantastic, and I can't wait to see how his story evolves. Wonder Woman was really good in this film, just as she was in hers. I I want to see her continue the way she, like her films to continue the way they, they have. I'm a little bit concerned if we don't get a modern day one, but because I trust the director of that film, I'm willing to just go along for the ride for whatever we have come. But I would sort of like to see her in some maybe in a if we are going to do another soft reboot do a wonder woman and superman movie and not have batman in it i feel like there's the opportunity to give us a thor ragnarok style with cyborg and the flash and then use that as an opportunity to introduce other characters in the dc universe i mean there were mention there was mention of things we saw the green lanterns in one of the fight scenes and the flashbacks, there's ways to do all of that. I don't think we need to reboot this world. I think we now have a firm enough foundation with the introduction of these five character, or with the, like the convergence of these characters to actually build on it. Granted, it's not as strong a foundation as Marvel has, but I don't think we have to like wipe off the drawing board and start over. I think we have something here. It's just whether or not Warner Brothers can pull it off i think i gave batman v superman a three which is was higher than it deserved so because of that i'll have to give this at least a three and a half there were issues with it the cgi was not as bad as i expected before i went into it i'd read a lot of reviews about people complaining about the cgi it wasn't as bad as i thought i didn't really there was only one scene in which the cgi for superman's mustache looked really bad but other than that (laughs) superman's mustache was okay for the rest of it for me it was just the one that sort of like oh yeah his face is uh deformed so 
I'm it. I'm giving it a three and a half out of five. It's not worthy of a four uh, at all, but I'm I'm on board. Dan, now that you've heard both Mo and I's thoughts, since Mel hasn't watched the film, do you have any commentary or reactions? Not not especially. I I agree with a lot of your guys' points in regards to uh, the way they they built the world, the criticism against Steppenwolf. Uh, I will say I I think I was way too relaxed on uh superman's mustache the like i watched the film for a second time and it, on, upon second viewing it looked worse and then i heard the behind the scenes stories where paramount was very much like no we are not having him shave this mustache the mustache must stay and like the, their insistence upon that is just it it's so funny to me it like it, and they spent 25 million dollars cgiing this man's upper lip and like that will never not be funny um i agree i just think that they didn't spend enough money on certain areas of the cgi his oh, being one of them like you look at that in comparison to any marvel movie the marvel movie cgi is infinitely better I, I agree 1000%. I also think that someone needs to t- uh, like teach Ezra Miller how to run because Barry's strides with the way he's pumping his arms, it like it's almost like they're they're not quite there. Uh it it's kind of like uh, it it it's not from a technical standpoint in like the in running just as like a concept. That's not how you do it. Uh, so some they need to work on that for the Flash movie because um, they're still talking about the Flash movie. I really uh, think it should be the Flash and Cyborg as a buddy movie. Yeah, I I would love that, um, and that'd probably be a, a lot easier to write because the Flash movie's just having so many problems. I know that if they were going to lean into a Batman recast, they were going to use the flash movie and the flashpoint store, like par- time paradox story to facilitate it, which could be a good way. Cause there's a lot of rumors out there that Jake Gyllenhaal might be the next Batman. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, he, he would, he wouldn't actually be that bad. I would just treat the Batman situation like a James Bond film, just literally just drop Batman into a Lazarus pit, drop Batfleck into a Lazarus pit, and Jake Gyllenhaal, whomever just comes out of Lazarus pit, you know, he's he's younger, he's healed, you know, we move on. You know, it doesn't have to be overly complicated like time paradoxes. I mean, just 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 treat it like a Bond film and move on because I don't know, it just creates more problems. I, I agree 1000%. And I also like, I don't even think you need to acknowledge it on screen. It could be like a soap thing. It could be a Blair Kramer situation <laughs> where it's just a person. The role of Batman is now being portrayed. <laughs> but see, but then you run into the problem of what if you, what if you, if, what if you do like, uh, the tale of two Jasons, you know, GH no, right what, now. What, what, what you what you do is you just have his face fried by something, and he has reconstructive surgery. Um, as we were discussing this, one of the things that I sort of realized is one of the things that the DC movies is missing is a likable villain like Loki. Yeah. I there's when you th- when you th- try and think about a rounded out cast, 
you don't really realize how important Loki is to Iron Man, to the Avengers, to Thor, and to their greater story until you start seeing, until you recognize the absence of such a character in the DCEU. And I don't know who that character would be that you bring in. Maybe it is um, Harley Quinn. I'm not sure that she necessarily has the connections to everybody that um, Loki does to Thor. And she ha she doesn't have like the huge, the superpowers that would be needed to make her have maybe provide the opposition, shall we say to a Superman or to a wonder woman. So I'm not sure if she's the right character to do that, but I really feel like you need a likable villain. Even if they do terrible things that on occasion you can really like, because watching Thor Ragnarok it hit home how important Loki and Thor's relationship is. And then you watch the Infinity War trailer and you see his involvement in things. And I'm like, damn, Warner Brothers has made a huge mistake by not having that character. Mo, if you had the choice of introducing such a character, who would it be? Well, my natural, I, my knee-jerk reaction would be Lex Luthor. But but since they've already done Ooh. that, that, that bus that bus is passed. But there. In in the comics, there is there are ways of doing that with Lex. In terms of potential other, they they could do Deathstroke. They could there in the comic. There's enough of a relationship with Deathstroke and a lot of the the characters that they've already introduced in in Justice League that they they could do that with Deathstroke because he is a, a mercenary. But on occasion, you know, if the planet is being threatened. You know, Slade will team up with the heroes if there's an alien invasion. So going around the circle for those who've watched both, Justice League or Thor Ragnarok, which is better? Dan? Um, I gotta say Thor is better, but Justice League gave me more, like elicited more of a reaction. I, okay. It, just in terms of like, I, I cared about what was happening like i knew by the end of thor like things would mostly be okay um you know yeah he lost his eye but at least like the the team came together and all of asgard came together and we all knew everything was relatively going to be okay um whereas in justice league i knew superman was going to come back but I didn't know how they were going to be able to pull off so many storylines because I had zero faith in the film. Um, and I, because I went in with no expectations, I was pleasantly surprised when half of the movie was good. Mo, Thor, Ragnarok, or Justice League? Mm, um, well, I'll be honest. I mean, had you asked me this this question like 20 years ago, no question it would be Justice League. But the 2017 version of me, you know, it's it's Thor, Thor Ragnarok. I think Thor Ragnarok did they learned from their mistakes in the previous two Thor films. They actually made in my opinion Thor a much more compelling and interesting character in Thor yes. Ragnarok than in the previous two installments. It just kind of breaks my heart to say that, you know, I enjoyed a Thor movie in 2017 
more than a Justice League movie because as a child, I love the Justice League. I yeah. still love the Justice League. It just, it hurts. I'll be honest with you. It hurts to say that Thor is a better movie than Justice League, but there's no question about it. It is a better, Thor is a better movie. I agree. Thor is a better movie. I just had a thought. Um, you had mentioned Deathstroke. Um, what would you think if um, Deadshot was that character? Is there enough, in your opinion, from the comic books to be able to do that? The reason why he came to mind to, to me is that, A, Will Smith, if I'm not mistaken, was on the record for like not wanting an evil Deadshot. But he still does evil stuff. And so I, when I was thinking about the Suicide Squad and who you could pull out of there, other than Harley Quinn, I was like, well, Will Smith always plays an engaging character. Maybe you could do something with him. Well, Deathstroke, actually, in terms of like, the, especially the way that this the the DC um, uh, DC film universe has been set up, Death, Deadshot would actually could fit that because again, you know, everything Deadshot was doing in Suicide Squad was to provide for his child. So you take that and put that on a much grander scale. Hey, there's an alien invasion. Yeah. Deadshot will assassinate people for money, but of course he's not going to want like aliens to take over the planet and kill his, potentially kill his or enslave his daughter. Um, so yeah, I think that they they could do that. But the thing is, could Will Smith's ego fit in with the rest of those other cast members of Justice League? Because I mean, I can't see you know Deadshot getting top billing in Justice League too. True, I agree with you there. Um, one other thing that I just sort of realized in terms of universe characters and where Warner Brothers is falling short is where's Amanda Waller? Why wasn't it? Why wasn't there a scene with Amanda Waller somewhere in this film? Is she on I, ABC? Yeah, she's getting drunk. Mm -hmm. um, how do to get away with murder? Okay, she's busy. <laughs> <laughs> She was busy for the first for Suicide Squad too. Um, uh, we, we didn't have the wig budget for. Yeah, there you go. Sorry. There you go. <laughs> uh, we would encourage you to comment on this episode at geekconfidential.com. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com/gkconfidential. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com/gkconfidential. You can find Melody at Melody Akles, all one word. I am at Luke underscore Kerr. Mo, it's been a while since I tried to remember this. Dr. Mo 77? Correct, yes. And Dan is the real Dan Pierce. Or real Dan Pierce. Uh, yeah, real. Real Dan Pierce. Okay. Yeah. We love interacting with listeners, so feel free to hit us up. Um, yes. We thank you for listening. Until next time, so long. Bye, y'all. Bye, everybody. Bye, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>